We know it's not joyful when you're going through the chastisement or discipline of God. Because later on, when you look at the providence of God, sometimes those things that were bad were really good because God worked those things together for good. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore, the minister here at the Church of Christ in Atlanta Airport area, where we speak for the Bible speaks and we're silent for the Bible is silent. Our worship service begins at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning. Please tune in WATC 57 at 4 p.m. every Sunday. Come be with us and we will do you good. I have avoided the ways of the violent one thing about Job and we'll be talking about the fact that he was an apple of God's eye is that he avoided evil. He, he stayed away from evil. Evil communication ruined good morals. My steps have held fast to your path. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you for you will answer me, O Lord. That's the beauty of being in the eye of God's eye. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 12, once again, we're going back and forth with that. It's that God eyes are over the righteous and the ears are attentive to their prayers. He says, I call upon you for you will answer me, O Lord. Incline your ear to me, hear my words wondrously. Show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from the adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as, here goes now, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence. It's amazing how much God protects us from things we don't even know about. My deadly enemy who surround me, they close their hearts to pity with their mouths. They speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They have their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear, as a young lion lurking in ambush. Arise, O oh Lord, comfort him. Subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose potion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children and they leave their abundance to the infants. As for me, I shall behold your face, and here goes, in righteousness. When I wake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. Oh, what a prayer. Notice what he says in Psalm 17, verse number 8. He says, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. This phrase, which first was used in the Bible, comes from a Hebrew expression that literally means this, little man of the eye. It refers to the tiny reflection of yourself that you see, you can see in other people's pupils. In the pupil of your eye, you can see the reflection of yourself. When you say, child, it's the apple of my eye, and 
And if you got five children, they're all the apple of your eye. Be careful about that. Because they could be the apple of your eye today and tomorrow disappoint you. We can be the apple of God's eye today and tomorrow disappoint him. That's why we had to get back right with him. To be the apple of someone's eye clearly means that you are being glazed upon and watched closely by that person. To be the apple of someone's eye. As we look at this this morning, I, I, want, I want to bring out some points that will help us. Not only become the apple of God's eye, but we want to stay the apple of God's eye. Israel was the apple of God's eye. Were they perfect? No, they were not perfect. But God still loved them. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect, but we're perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse John chapter 1, verse number 7, is walking in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all our sins. Your very image, as we look at the apple of the eye, your very image is dancing in the eyes of that person that look upon you at the apple of their eye. Your very image. So when David asked God to keep him as the apple of his eye, and he was asking God to keep him, keep an eye on him, if you will. Keep an eye on him. See, if you're not living right, you don't want God to keep an eye on, him, on you. You want God to look away. You know, I'm like Tweety Bird. Tweety Bird, now, you turn away. Now, I'm getting ready to do something here. Just turn, turn away. But when you're the apple of God's eye, you want God to... to Everywhere you go, in highways and byways, everywhere you go, you want him. I love this part. Not only are we the apple of his eye, but he protects us. So you're asking God to keep an eye on you and not to lose sight of you. David was asking that God would regard him as one who would be cherished as a child. Cherish me, Lord, as a child. Like, and we can understand that when we cherish our children. The object of great affection is what it is to be the apple of someone's eye. And because he was the apple of God's eye, David also asked for protection. Listen to what he says in Psalm 17, verse number 8. The Bible says, he says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Just as a mother bird protects her young by covering them with her feathers, with her wings, David was seeking God's favor also. We find this, look at Psalm, look at Psalm 91. We find this in Psalm 91. Uh, it, it, it's a point made in here in Psalm 91. Number four. Look at Psalm 91, verse number four. Listen at what, what the Bible says here. Psalm 91, verse number four. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buffalo. He shall cover thee. He shall protect thee. Here in Psalm 17, once again, David knew 
as he was making these heartfelt requests, he's making these heartfelt requests, that God would answer his prayer. Look at verse number six. That God would answer his prayer. God answers the prayers of the righteous. He does. In James chapter five, verse number sixteen, in the following Bible says, uh, "The effective fervent prayer of the there is much." And this is a effective a fervent prayer. He's pleading with God. He answers the prayers of the righteous. James says earlier in James chapter one, verse number six to eight, he, he says, "Now when you pray to God." Pray believing because God will grant you your wish if it's God's will. James says, the double-minded man is, not, is unstable in all his ways. He said, if you are praying, not believing, don't even pray. Because he's talked about the prayer of faith. That's a prayer of faith. Faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And if I'm praying according to God's will, God will answer my plea. David was confident that, that God would show him, here it goes in verse number 15, wonders of your great love and oh how he loves us. We, after obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ, hearing the word, believing the word, depending on our sin, confessing Christ and being baptized, being buried in water, grave of baptism, there's an operation of a God that goes on in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 12 and following. And once we do that, do you not know, we become the apple of God's eye. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21, we become the righteousness of God. How do we stay right? How do we stay right in God's eye, the apple of his eye, just keep repenting, keep doing what that is right. Because our spirit must connect with God's spirit. That's a battle going on. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, that's a battle going on all the time. Sometimes we don't realize it. That's a battle. We're at war. We're in, we're in a spiritual war. Galatians 5, look at verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. That's how you stay in the, in the, in, in the sight of God, in the, being the apple of his eye. In verse number 17, but the flesh lusts after the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are what? Contrary the one to another, so that ye cannot do things that you would. And Paul mentions this in Romans chapter 7, verse number 15. I, I want to do good, and evil come upon me, and I'm wrestling. And he says, in verse 21, and Father, he said, evil in Romans chapter 7 is always present. So that's a, that's a war going on. But we must connect with God in a spiritual way in which we can become and we can stay in the apple of his eye. We can have that same confidence that David had. We can have the same confidence. We too can be assured that God hears our prayer. Isn't it wonderful to know that God really hears your prayer, hears your prayer, and you look back and you see how God has brought you over and brought you out? We can know 
that he would answer our prayer. And because we are the apple of his eye, we know that he will, here goes, protect us. And this is what David is saying. Not only you become the apple of his eye, but he protects us. That doesn't necessarily mean we would escape from every painful circumstance. Some people say, well, you're a child of God. You won't go through anything. Don't listen to that. And Peter tells us that God knows how to deliver those out of temptation. Second Peter chapter 2, verse number 9, 18 and following, that he knows how to deliver the righteous out of temptation. Now, doesn't mean you, you would not come on that situation unscathed. Some things in our life will scar us up. And we just keep praying and keep praying to get through it. It could be being a wonderful sibling with your siblings for all these years growing up and all of a sudden something come between you. And you try to get that relationship back. You do all you can and you make the first move and still it's still hard to do. It's a circumstance. It could be losing our loved ones and many of us have lost our loved ones. That's a painful circumstance. I'm told that some of the stresses on the uh, top of the list is number one, losing a loved one, divorce, moving from one place to another. Then you go, and then you got health issues. We're just talking to one of our friends the other day and we have some good news and this will help some people that are going through this, her son, He's around 40 years old. His blood pressure got high and he did not take his blood pressure medicine. He found himself on dialysis. And, and I, I say to you out there now, take your medicine. Amen. Take your medicine. I just have to 38. Hezekiah, remember, he was sick nine to death and God gave him more years. But God told him in order to get more years, you need to take your medicine. He did not take his medicine, found himself on dialysis. And, but we got some good news. After about two years or so, they found a kidney for him. And she said he had been confined because he was doing his dialysis at home, I think every night and couldn't work and different things going on. And, and she said just the other night, about two in the morning, she thought someone was breaking into the house. And she said it was just he and his wife easing out on the porch. It's about two in the morning because he had not had the privilege to do that. Now he has a kidney. Isn't that wonderful? That's hope, isn't it? And, 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 and now he said those little small things, things that he took for granted mean so much. See, circumstances, painful circumstances happen in our lives. Escape been there before. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2, the Hebrew writer said, lay aside every weight and sin that, for, that so easily beset us. Some things are not sinful, but they're weighty. Sometimes you take on burdens, and we ought to bear one another's burdens, but they also ought to bear their own burdens. Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1 through 5. Sometimes you take on other people's burdens, and it become weighty. It become difficult. 
and you just pray that God will help you through it. But it doesn't mean that as cherished ones in his sight, God will guide us through those circumstances and help us withstand them. Uh, he will guide us. He will guide us through those situations. The apple of God's eye meaning, in modern English, apple of my eye indicates something or someone that one values above all others. In order for me to become the apple of God's eye, I must put him first in my life. I must love him. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37, follow him. With all my heart, soul, strength, and might. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4 and following. And my, I must love my neighbor as I love myself in order to become the apple of God's eye. My relationship with others must be pleasing to God. Can you please everybody? No, you can't please everybody. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 17 and following, do good, that the Bible tells us, live peaceable with all men, do all that lies within you. You do your best. Some people are just hard to please. But you just do the best you can, and God will bless you. What about this apple of God's eye? What about David? This David that we're talking about here that, that, that's praying this prayer. Keep in mind, there's a man after God's own heart. We mentioned this in the podcast in Acts chapter 13 this morning, verse number 21 and following. He was a man after God's own heart. Definitely, he was the apple of God's eye. God looks at the heart. First Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7. Remember, God looks at the heart. He tells the prophet, don't look at the statue of man, but I don't look at the outward father man. I look at the heart. He looks at the heart. And so David was the apple of God's eye, but was he perfect? No, he wasn't. So preacher, do I need to be perfect in order to become the apple of God's eye? No, you're perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. But when you sin, you repent of that sin because the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Not ones that stay in sin. Paul tells those people in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 11 and following, he tells those people that you must repent of your sin. You know, and so, so here, I want you to notice Psalm 51. David was not perfect, but he was perfected. We are perfected by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse number one, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Colossians chapter 2, I, I mentioned earlier in Colossians chapter 2, verse number uh, 14, where when we obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that's an operation of God. He operates on us. And then our sins are blotted out. Brenda's granddaughter, 13 years old, early in her life, she, she decided to obey Jesus. See, that was 10 years 
before I obeyed. I obeyed at 23. She obeyed at, t at 13. And so can you imagine how many things that, uh, sinful things that she'll get a chance to bypass and go around? It's a wonderful thing. Brooke and others at nine years old, they obeyed. Nine and ten years old. And most of our children obey at about ten to twelve years old. That's a wonderful thing. But those that are 50 years old, 100 years old, like we're studying with Miss uh, Lillian Taylor, 101 years old, it is not too late. It is never too late. Why the blood is running warm in your vein? Those that are out there now, it's not too late. He says, blot out my transgression. Well, you can't do it by yourself because our righteousness before God is as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, verse number 6. Now, on our best day, we're still not good enough. All have seen and come short of the glory of God. Verse number 2. Wash me thoroughly from my, enemy, from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. That's exactly what baptism does. It washes you thoroughly. It takes every one of those sins away. How beautiful that is. I'm reminded of a lady that was getting baptized after this other lady had gotten baptized. And she said she refused to go in the water until they let all the water out and start over again. They said, why are you doing this? Why do we have to do this? She said, because according to the Bible, y'all said all her sins are washed away. They're down in that water. She said, I don't want to get contaminated. So they listened to what she said. It was all right. Whatever it takes to baptize a person, we'll do it. They let all the water out. Then she went down, filled it back up. She went down in the water of grave of baptism. She said, now I'm okay. But she had the right idea that, that the blood of Christ washes away all our sins. And she said, I have a bunch of them. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, David says. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Some people do not acknowledge their transgression. They do not acknowledge their sin. It's like walking over a broken step. You have a broken step. You say, oh, I'm going to fix that step one day. I'm going to fix it one day. And you just keep walking over. And one day you forget. And you trip and fall. See, you must fix that step right away. You must fix your life right away when it comes to sin. Repent right away. In Luke 13, 3, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Listen to what it says in verse number 4. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned. And done this evil in thy sight, David is saying, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desires, this is, God, this is what he desires in verse number 6 in uh, Psalm 51. He says, Behold, thou desires, what do you desire, God? Thou desires truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. David had sinned with Bathsheba. He had Uriah had killed him in battle. 
And he felt like he could cover his sins, like sometimes we feel like we can cover our sins. But keep in mind now, 1 Peter 3, verse number 12, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and the ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. And he felt like he could hide from God. We can't hide from God. I don't want to hide from God. You need to stay in the midst, in the presence of God, in that good relationship with God, in the, be, to be the apple of his eye. David was the apple of his eye even though he was not perfect. We are the apple of his eye even though we're not perfect. Behold, thy desires, truth in the end of hearts, he said, purge me with hyssop. Remember, how when the Israelites were leaving um, Egypt, they actually, their last plague was the death of the firstborn, and they were to put the blood on the doorpost with the hyssop branch, and they were to stay in the Thank you so much for tuning in with us as you have listened to the message of the hour. In order to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us in Mark 16, 15 and 16, it says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be down. And so one must hear the word in Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And once you hear the word, you must believe the word. Once you believe the word, you must repent of your sin. Luke 13, 3, Jesus says, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. And once you repent, you confess Christ, the sweetest name on Martha tongue. Then after that, you're buried with him in baptism, in the watery grave of baptism. You become, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, a new creature. A new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. And so we encourage you to come be with us as we teach you the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You become a member of the church of Christ. The one that Christ died for. Colossians chapter 1 verse number 18. God bless you all. Hello, my name is Minister Herbert Moore from the Church of Christ at Atlanta Airport. We're located about three miles from the Atlanta Airport, the busiest airport in the world. We're just an eight-minute drive. We have many people that travel through the airport, and they come to worship with us. We speak what the Bible speaks, and we're silent what the Bible is silent. And so we invite you to come. We also invite you to tune in to our television program every Sunday at 4 p.m. WATC 57 Television. We also invite you to visit our Facebook Church of Christ at Atlanta Airport area. Also, you can go to YouTube, speakingthegospel.tv, and hear many more of the sermons from the Word of God that I have spoken throughout the last months and the last years. Enter to worship and leave to serve. Many times today, we're not able to worship in a building. The Bible tells us that we are to worship on the first day of the week. And as you know, we can worship God everywhere and anywhere. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 3, verses number 1 and following, as Moses approached the burning bush that was burning but did not burn up, God tells him, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. And that's why we can worship anywhere. The church is not the building. 
the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 17, verse 21, that the kingdom of God lives within us. So when we say we're coming to church, we're really coming to worship. This is why we need to realize God does not dwell in an empty church building. He's all over. He's everywhere. And those that worship him in John 4, 24 must worship him in spirit and truth.